Welcome to the Unstoppable Podcast, where we are dedicated to bringing you comprehensive insight into the ways and purposes of God. The goal of this podcast is to encourage, equip, and empower you with meaningful insight from the Word of God to receive His promises and live a life without limits. Hello and welcome to the Unstoppable Podcast. My name is Justin Self, and I want to wish you a Happy New Year. I'm so thankful that you're here with me. Thank you for joining me and spending your time here on the Unstoppable Podcast. If this is your first time, welcome, welcome, welcome. This is our fourth season, so we do have quite a few episodes if you'd like to catch up and kind of see what we're about. I would recommend, if you haven't heard anything from us before, um, after you listen to this one, of course, or maybe before if you really want to, check out the first episode in season four who we are, what we're doing, where we're going. Um, I thought that was a really good episode to kind of give everybody a heads up on, hey, this is what Kainos Global is about. This is kind of what Unstoppable is about. This is like the direction we're going and this is what we're, what we're about. So I think that's a really helpful place to start. But for those of you who have been with us for a while, again, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you for your partnership. And I just want to say thank you for our financial partners. Thank you so much for partnering with us in the area of your finances to see the gospel of Jesus to go out, to see this podcast go out, to help to continue what we're doing in Kenya. And I do want to share with you, uh, I just recently got a text message from Pastor Peter, my contact and friend over in Kenya. And as of this recording, they are still seeing record flooding. And I don't know if you've been keeping up on the news, what's going on in Kenya, but there's a lot of flooding going on and it's really displacing people and causing some major problems. And the unique opportunity that we have nearly constantly is to really invest in the lives of people in a small community in Kenya. And so again, I'll refer you to that episode, the first episode of season four for some of the details. But for here, I'm just going to say that we have opportunity to connect with people, ministries that are already on the ground, churches that we've helped plant and establish, things that we've helped build in Kenya, the coastal area of Kenya called Watamu or uh, Kalifi County. And it's a high-density Muslim area. And so there are Christians and there are Christian churches, but it's also extremely Muslim. And you can tell by, in fact, actually, if you listen to a couple of the podcasts uh, this season, in the beginning of the, of the episodes, I actually have some recordings of my last trip over there. And you can actually hear the Muslim uh, mosque, the call to prayer going on in the background. I did that on purpose so that you could kind of you know, get the feel of what it's like over there. But, you know, they have these uh, call to prayers and they're just, you know, they just belt out over the loudspeaker over the whole city. And you can hear multiple mosques at the same time. It's just a very different environment than, than what many of you are used to if you are in the States. The whole point here is that we have an opportunity to really minister to people. And what do I mean by that? I mean, we're ministering to them. We're serving them spiritually, but also physically. And so we're providing necessary items such as food, clothing, blankets, mosquito netting. How many of you know that there's already a lot of mosquitoes over there and they carry disease? Well, when there's flooding, what do you think happens? Mosquito netting is a really helpful thing over there, especially with all these mosquitoes. So we're helping people in a practical way. And a lot of the people that we're reaching out to are Muslim people. And they're Muslim because primarily because it's they were brought up in the family. They're brought up in this culture and these belief systems. And many times these Muslims, when they hear and they see the people of God going out and loving others like this with no, I mean, no agenda, there's no agenda whatsoever. It's literally just loving people and giving them what they need at the moment. Like that's the love of Christ, right? We're showing people the love of Jesus in a practical way. They want to know more. And they say, what is this? What are you guys doing? You know, and why are you serving in this way? And so people share the good news of Jesus. And when you 
it's amazing. I just, I want you, whoever you are listening, I want you to come with me, you know, email me, come with me, reach out. Let's go to Kenya together. I want to take you with me to Kenya. And so you can see it with your own eyes. You can see these Muslims when they hear the gospel of Jesus so many times their eyes just light up and they say, wow, we, we had no idea he was that awesome. Or, you know, he, we had no idea that Jesus was the son of God. Like they didn't, you know, intellectually, they, they might believe something different, but when they see and they experience the power of Jesus through just simple acts of love, it can really change a person's heart and a mind, and it will, will set these people on fire for Jesus. And we've seen it so many times. And so we have an opportunity uh, right now to partner with Kainos Global. That is our 501c3 nonprofit org. And so you can go to kainosglobal.org to learn more about it, but you can also give. The money is going towards flood relief and those types of things, but also Bibles. You know, we're providing Bibles and teaching materials and leadership training and also economic training. And we're doing leadership development stuff with uh, entrepreneurs and we're doing business classes. And so there's just so many things that I even haven't had time to put on the website, to be honest with you. But we're doing a lot in Kenya and it's just awesome. So, so that's a reminder for that. And I also want to ask you, hey, how was your Christmas? Did you have a good Christmas? <laughs> I know I can't, I can't hear you right now, but I, I just think about it, you know? You know, not everybody has a good time of year uh, around Christmas time. And, and I just, I know people who, you know, everyone around them is celebrating and rejoicing, but there are people in your community who, and in my community, where Christmas kind of brings up some hard memories. And I want to be sensitive to that. And I just want to say, if that's you, I just bless you. And I'm just, you know, praying for you that the comfort of God, which is the, the ultimate comfort you know, he is the comforter. He is the one who can give you the ultimate comfort. You know, I just pray right now over you that you would just be filled with the revelation of his will, with the understanding of who he is, and that the comforter, the Holy Spirit would just come all over you, would fill you and, and just brood over you. And you would just feel and experience and know his presence and his His infinite compassion towards you. Other people maybe haven't been compassionate towards you, but the Lord is compassionate towards you and he loves you very much. And so I also want to just mention that, you know, if you have somebody like that in your life, maybe it'd be a good idea to reach out to them, you know, give them some love. Just ask them how they're doing. Say, hey, I, I understand you're going through a hard time. I'm just want to let you know I love you. I'm praying for you. You know, I brought you this gift, something like that. So I just know we had a, we had a really good Christmas and we're just praising God. Now I want to talk about the new year. Here we are and it's 2024. And every year I ask the Lord for a word and I... I received a word from God over the year, and I'm going to share it here in just a few seconds. I know that if you go to church, maybe, you know, your pastor has a word. I know other prophets and other ministers around the country and around the world have words. And to be honest with you, I haven't read very many of them. And so I don't really, I don't have a way of verifying what I'm saying against what they're saying. But I feel like this is, this is a word for, for me personally, but also for you. And how many of you know that the gifts and the callings of God are without repentance. What that means, that's actually a quote out of the scripture. And that means that when God, you know, gives you something and when he, when he calls you to something, he doesn't take it back. And so if, I get, if I'm sharing a word with you that I believe is from the Lord, I think, you know, you can take it for yourself. You can say, you know what? That's not what my pastor said, but man, I'm, I'm going to take this one from Justin too. And then you can take what your pastor said, you know, take, it, take them both, you know, take everything you can get. But I, I'm serious. Like when God speaks to us, he's so awesome. He knows what he's doing and, and we can have the whole thing. So, so here it is. Here's the word that I believe God has given me over 2024. This is it. 2024 is the year of revelation, breakthrough, and following the leadership and guidance of the Holy Spirit. Now, 
to navigate, this is the next part, to navigate what is about to happen in 2024 successfully and victoriously, we must receive and walk in a new level of personal revelation in the word of God. We will need to experience personal breakthrough in our lives like never before, and we will need to pay close and even strict attention to the leadership of the Holy Spirit. All right, I'm going to say that again. 2024 is the year of revelation, breakthrough, and following the leadership and guidance of the Holy Spirit. To navigate what is about to happen in 2024 successfully and victoriously, we must receive and walk in a new level of personal revelation in the Word of God. We will need to experience personal breakthrough in our lives like never before, and we will need to pay close, even strict attention to the leadership of the Holy Spirit. Now I can hear some of you already saying, revelation, breakthrough, you know, those are just buzzwords. You know, we always, it seems like eight out of 10 pastors who who say they have a word from God for the year use use those two words, you know, revelation and breakthrough. Well, hey, you know what? That might be true. Those are buzzwords, I feel like, revelation, breakthrough, it's it's your year breakthrough, right? It kind of sounds cliche now. But, you know, I was thinking about this and I'm like, Lord, really? Like, you you want me to use those words, you know? And and as I prayed about it, I just got the feeling that, yeah, that's that's what God wants. And honestly, I got the feeling that if God has to keep saying this thing through all these different pastors, maybe it's because we haven't gotten it yet. I bet if we got it and we figured this thing out, you know, you know, God can move on to something else. But I believe the reason he keeps saying stuff like this, revelation and breakthrough, you know, these types of things, man, it's because we, uh, as a church, as a, as a global body of Christ, you know, this is something we can grow in. So, so I, I'm, I'm excited about this, man. I'm excited about revelation. I'm excited about breakthrough. I'm excited about following the leadership and the guidance of the Holy Spirit. So I want to start out with what, what is revelation? What is that about? Is that just the book in the Bible or is that something else? So briefly, I'm going to go to Ephesians chapter one. And there's so many instances in the Bible, especially the New Testament, where this word revelation is given. And so I'm going to use the New Testament usage. Ephesians chapter one and verse 17, this is a prayer that Paul recorded for the church in Ephesus. And this is a prayer that I pray over myself, over my family, over our ministry, over our church, over missionaries and missions giving that we do outwardly, you know, other missionary friends and other types of things. I pray this all the time. I cannot honestly estimate to you how many times I've prayed this prayer. Hundreds, at least thousands, probably. And there's nothing magical about saying the same words over and over again. I'm not trying to say that, but what I'm, what I am saying is that this is an awesome example of a Holy Spirit inspired prayer that you can pray over your friends, your family, and And I believe it just describes God's will over us as people. And it uses the word revelation. So in verse 16, it says, I do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. And then he goes on. In that phrase, we we see spirit of wisdom and revelation. The word revelation is the word in the Greek, apocalypsis, apocalypsis. Sounds kind of like apocalypse, right? You might have heard that word in the English language. People talk about, you know, the end of the end is the apocalypse or apocalyptical. (laughs) I don't know if that's even a word. (laughs) Stuff like that, right? Apocalypse. It has this idea of end times. Well, I think that comes from the fact that the book of Revelation entails a lot of these very, very, very last of the last days on earth events, and it's called apocalypsis. But it's the apocalypsis of Jesus, right? That's what Paul is praying for. He, he says, I, I pray that, that the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ would give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. In the what? In the knowledge of him, is what he says. That word apocalypsis is a combination of two words. Apo, which means away or a separation. 
and then calypto, which describes a veil or something that is hidden. And so when you combine the two words, apocalypsis, you get this away veil. It really carries this idea of taking a veil away. Or let's say that you had, um, I'm looking, I have a window here where I'm recording and I, and I have a cover over it right now. Well, there's a cover over the window. And so when I look in that direction, I can't see what's outside. But if I were to apocalypto or apocalypsis, the shade, right? If I were to remove the veil, I could see clearly what is outside. And so that's what revelation means. It's, it's really what it is, is a picture of the Holy Spirit unveiling things to you that you've never seen before. Things that you might be looking straight at it and you just, you don't understand it. You can't see through it. There's clarity on the other side, but the Holy Spirit is the only one who can truly give you that revelation. That's exciting to me. Now, what is breakthrough? Well, breakthrough is not, you know, a word used in the Bible. I can't give you a a Greek word study on this, this idea of breakthrough, you know. However, in the English language, it's this word that describes a sudden advance, especially in knowledge or technique. Okay, they had a breakthrough in medicine or they had a breakthrough in their business, right? The dictionary also describes it as an act or instance of moving through or beyond an obstacle. Hey, that's pretty cool. An act or instance of moving through or beyond an obstacle breakthrough. Finally, and I like this one the best, an offensive military assault that penetrates and carries beyond a defensive line. I like that. It's a military assault that penetrates and carries. Why do I like that? Because man, I'm telling you, the Bible says that we do not war against flesh and blood. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against, against principalities and powers and hosts of spiritual wickedness in the heavenly places. And all these things, well, these are demonic powers that we're fighting against, right? This person over here that's offended you, right? That's not the person you're doing battle with. You know, your boss who's not giving you a fair wage or this, that, and the other, right? Those are not the things that we're doing battle with. Man, that's all in your head, all right? I'm not trying to downplay your situation. I'm not trying to say that what you're experiencing isn't valid. Uh, absolutely not. You know, we, we do go through things. But what I'm saying is it's important that we focus on who are we actually doing battle against in real life. It's not against flesh and blood. Your enemy is not the person sitting across from you. Your enemy is Satan. Your enemy is these demonic forces and things that are, that are coming against us. And so I like this idea of breakthrough, you know, as a, as a military assault because spiritual warfare is a big thing, but it's not, you know, everything that people might think it is. It's not just this, you know, let's hoot and holler and, and yell at the devil kind of thing necessarily, right? Like spiritual warfare happens in your mind. It's just, a, it's a changing of the way you think because the devil comes through your mind. And I'm about to get off on another teaching right here if I'm not careful. All right, let's, let's get back to it. <laughs> Offensive military assault that penetrates and carries. So I believe, uh, you know, God's, God absolutely wants us to have victory in our life um, over the works of the devil. Man, praise God. That, that's enough to get excited about. Okay, let's continue breaking this thing down. Following the leadership and the guidance of the Holy Spirit is what he said. Well, what does it mean to follow the leadership of the Holy Spirit? What does leadership mean? Well, I want to give you some examples briefly here. In the book of Luke, we see that Jesus was led, led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Okay, Luke chapter 4, we see that, and we also see that in, in the other Gospels as well. The Spirit led him, which means took him essentially by the hand, basically, right? And, and kind of by force, you can actually put it, see it that way in the Greek, take someone by force and lead them into the wilderness, okay? So that we have the Holy Spirit leading us uh, into the places where, where we need to go. And then Romans chapter 8, 14 says, as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. That means that if you're a child of God, if you're born again by the blood of Jesus, if you've made Jesus your Lord and Savior, you're a son of God, you're a child of God, you've been brought into the family. And it says here that as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. 
And so we've talked about this before on other podcasts where if you're a child of God, you can hear his voice. You can be led by the spirit of God. And I'm telling you, friend, that's the way to be. There are so many options in this life and so many decisions and things coming at you, you know, vying for your attention, vying for your money, vying for all this stuff. You know, which direction do you go? What choices do you make in life? You're right. Wouldn't it be nice if you had the leadership of the Holy Spirit? Wouldn't it be nice if you had God himself saying, this is the way, walk in it, do this, do that. You know, this is the right choice. You've got 50 choices here, or maybe you've got two choices. Which job do I take? Where do I move? Right? All that kind of stuff. Hey, God is absolutely practical. He's really interested in those small things. You think they're small, but they're not small to him. And if they're not small to you, they're not small to him. And if you're battling with it, I'm encouraging you right now. God has a plan. It doesn't mean he's going to force his plan on you, but he has a leadership in place. If you've given it to him, if you've given him the place in your life to lead you, he will lead you into the path you should go. Man, somebody needed to hear that today. That's encouraging to me. We have seen that happen in our own lives so many times where we don't know what to do. And not only that, but let's say we have a decision in front of us and we we're looking at it and we put the numbers down on paper and we look at the finances or we look at the logistics or whatever it is. And it's like, this does not make sense. None of these options make sense, but we're backed into a corner. We've got to make a decision. We've got a deadline. What am I going to do? Imagine doing this in business, right? I have many friends who, I mean, they talk so much about the Holy Spirit being involved in their business. And it's like, these people make all the right decisions. You look at their business and it just grows. You look at somebody's family and they're just, they're doing the right thing. And you're like, man, how do they, how do they do that? Oh, praise God. I'm telling you, you can listen to the Holy Spirit and he will lead you into the paths that you should go. All right. So I think that's exciting that he's going to offer us leadership. Of course he always does, but hey, this is a year of leadership by the Holy Spirit. And then he used the word guidance. All right. I want to pull open my Bible here to the book of Psalms chapter 32. And we're going to look at this. We're going to see what the Holy Spirit does for guidance. What's this guidance business? Check this out. First of all, I want to point out verse one in Psalm 32. It says, blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord does not impute iniquity and in whose spirit there is no deceit. So right there, you can read this, and it is an Old Testament, right? It's not in the New Testament. This is an Old Testament passage. And so if you're tempted to say, well, that's Old Testament, maybe that's not for me or something, you know, that's for, for David or that's for David's son or whoever he was writing it to, or that's just for Israel. Well, listen to this. It says, blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. I'm asking you right now, friend, is your sin covered? Have you been washed clean by the blood of Jesus? Are you a believer in Jesus? Meaning, have you accepted him as your Lord and Savior? If so, then this is for you. This applies to you. Blessed is he. And he starts talking about this person who, you know, blessed is the man to whom the Lord does not impute iniquity. Oh, we could go off on that. In whose spirit there is no deceit. If you're born again, your spirit is perfect, blameless, upright, holy in the sight of God. You can't get there any other way other than through the blood of Jesus. Man, that's awesome. Your spirit, your innermost being is actually perfect. Okay, so verses one and two of this show us who this is for. So this totally applies to me, man. I'm excited about this. I'm gonna skip down to verse six. It says, for this cause, everyone who is godly shall pray to you. And this is talking to God. In a time when you may be found, surely in a flood of great waters, they shall not come near him. You are my hiding place. You shall preserve me from trouble. You shall surround me with songs of deliverance. Selah, which means to stop and calmly meditate and think about this. Oh, songs of deliverance, singing songs of deliverance. Awesome. 
All right, verse eight, I will instruct you and teach you in the way that you should go. I will guide you, there's that word guide, with my eye. Do not be like the horse or like the mule, which have no understanding, which must be harnessed with bit and bridle, or else they will not come near you. Many sorrows shall be to the wicked, but he who trusts in the Lord, mercy shall surround him. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, you righteous, and shout for joy, all you upright in heart. I wanted to point out that, again, he says, I will instruct you and teach you in the way that you should go. I will guide you with my eye. This is God's word to us to guide us. He really wants to guide us and lead us. Now, here's a, here's a New Testament example of this. In John chapter 16, this is Jesus talking to his disciples. In verse 13, he says, however, when he, the spirit of truth is come, he will guide you into all truth. He will guide you into all truth. And this is the Holy Spirit talking about the spirit of God. And really this, I did a word study on this, um, as you can imagine. And this word uh, in the Greek comes from this idea of a leader or a teacher, this word guide, he will guide you. And it talks about someone that leads or goes before you or take, listen to this. It says to take one by laying hold of, to grab someone and lead him along. (laughs) Look at that. And then when it talks about, again, all this is inside the one word guide, okay? So this describes someone who leads, like I just said, uh, who, who goes before, who's a leader, but it also talks about where they go and the kind of place that this leader takes you on, the kind of journey that this leader takes you on is a way, it's a traveled road, it's a course of conduct, and it's the way in which that one would walk. He's taking us along a road, a traveled path, a place that we should walk. And that should encourage you because that really encourages me that there is a path that I can walk on that God has planned out for me. He says, Justin, this is the way that you should go. You know, I'm, I'm, you're over here off, off in the bushes over here. Let me, let me, that's why you're having such a hard time. Come on, come on over here with me. And then he'll, you know, I'll reach out my hand to him. He'll grab me by the hand and yank me out of that thing. And man, I'm right on a straight and narrow road and I'm walking along with God. And I'm telling you, that's the way to be. And so now I've introduced to you this, this idea of the, the 2024 word from God. And I want to take this opportunity to go briefly in, into this idea of, or I guess this teaching rather, of how do we respond to a word from God? I don't feel like it's a new thing for people to receive a word from God. I think people are starting to kind of, people are growing in this area. You know, I talk to people who believe they've heard from God, or, you know, there's a lot of people out there that I know haven't heard from God, and they'll tell me things like, oh, I've never heard a word from God before, you know. And we've done podcasts on that. In fact, my book, Face to Face, An 18-Day Journey of Hearing God's Voice as His Friend, that's what that's all about is, is hearing God's voice. And I have had people come to me and say, wow, after reading your book, I've just, I heard God's voice for the first time. And and I'm just praising God for that. So again, it's not because I'm I'm so amazing. It's just because I've, I just put down in the book things that I've learned over the years of hearing God's voice and how it's changed my life. So get the book if you haven't gotten it already. What I'm saying is I want to talk today about how, how do you respond to a word from God? Let's, let's say you get a word from God or like just now I, I shared with you what I believe God's saying, you know, one thing he's saying over 2024, it's this word about revelation breakthrough and, and leadership and guidance of the Holy Spirit. So now what do we do, right? This is, I think where people miss it. People get so worked up about getting the word from God they do all the stuff and they, they, whatever they pray, they fast, they seek the Lord, they, they get quiet before him. They, they pray for months. I don't know, whatever it is that people do to hear from God, they hear from God. And then what, right? Now, what do you do? 
And I think probably the number one mistake that people make, now this is really important, so check this out. I really think that the probably the number one mistake is that people, and excuse me for the cliche, but they take a word from God and they'll turn it into a paragraph. I don't know if you've ever heard that before. I think it's kind of cliche, but but I think it's really true. You know, maybe God will give you a word and then people are, this is human nature. I get it. We want to go and make things happen. I get it. I've been there. I've done this many times, more times than I would like to admit to you. But you get a word from God and then you're like, okay, right on. I got my word. Let's go do something with this word. And so they'll run out there and they'll start trying to make that word come to pass in their life. Maybe God's called you to to do missions work overseas. Well, a person could just grab that and go for it and buy themselves a one-way ticket and just go without planning and thinking and doing all this stuff. And then they end up over there and it's a mess and they have to come back in shame. I've heard stories of this and I'm not trying to say that it's a bad thing for you to, you know, I know, I also know people who have bought one-way tickets and, and, and that type of thing. And, and they really were following God and it's all good. And, and they have an amazing ministry. But what I'm saying is that it's really important that once you have a word from God, you take the time to cultivate it and you take the time to really seek him on his timing. And what does it look like, Lord? Like, wow, God, you've given me this word. How is this going to get fulfilled? What process you know, do you want me to go through as a person? How do you want to grow me so that I can walk in the fulfillment of everything that you've promised me? Wow, that is powerful right there. What I just said was extremely powerful. I guess the other question is, how do you know for certain that you are following his voice once you step out and you start following that word? And how do you check? How do you check back to make sure that you're doing it right? You know, (laughs) do you have a a way to do that? I mean, are you just going to take a word from God and just run with it and go for it and say, thank you, God, I've got it from here. And you go out and perform this thing and you never, you know, you wait another 10 years before you get your next word from God, you know, your next assignment. Or is it supposed to be more of a relational thing where you receive this word from him, you talk to him about it, you figure out how it relates to the context of your life and you, you journey through this thing together. Well, I believe it's the latter. I believe that the way God does things is to give us a word or give us a vision that is clearly bigger than ourselves and clearly impossible to, to accomplish in our own strength. One example, a simple example could just simply be to love your neighbor. All right. Maybe God has just given you a word. Maybe you're reading your Bible and God is just really impressed on your heart how to love your neighbor. And in your head, you're like, I don't want to love that person. <laughs> you know, They're not lovely. They've done me wrong. You name it. I, it's hard to love that person. And honestly, your, your ability and my ability to love a person with our human love is absolutely inadequate. Our human love can only go so far. Our human love loves chocolate. Our human love loves dogs. Our human love loves our neighbor until they do us wrong. And then we don't love them anymore. That's not the love of God. The love of God is supernatural, and it honestly takes a supernatural love of God to love people the way that they need to be loved. Unconditional love. You've probably heard the word agape love. Unconditional love. Love that will never turn off. Love that can last through anything. Love that can believe the best of every person who does not take any account of the evil done to it. You know, love that forgives perfectly, right? This is an example of, let's say you, you have some word from God, you know, how to go love someone and, you know, how do you check on yourself, I guess? How do you walk in that love? Well, you need his revelation. You need his power to make that love happen. And so you can't just go out and make it happen of your own accord, you know, and try to all the stuff that you've always tried before. No, you say, Lord, help me to love. I, Holy Spirit, help me, guide me in this thing. And then the Holy Spirit will guide you 
into love and perfect love. And you can walk in love with that person, but it's the Holy Spirit that empowers you to do it is what I'm saying. It's not just God says, go out and love. And then you go out and you make it happen in your own strength with human love, right? He tells us to love, but then you have to be empowered by him to do what he said to do. And isn't that cool that God's never going to ask us to do something that we can't do, man, you need to be encouraged. If God's asked you to do something or if God's given you a word and it seems crazy or, or whatever it may be, be encouraged that no matter what it is, you can do it because he would never give you something to do that you can't do. He would be unjust. We could blame him for being unjust and the Bible would break. <laughs> That's my summary of the situation. It would break everything. It would, it would go against his own word for him to, to ask us to do something that's unjust. No, God's not like that. God's not like that. So here's an example. I think about this in the context of, okay, how do we respond to a word from God? How do I check and make sure that I'm following that word? How do I, you know, check in on this? How do I make sure I'm not taking a word from God and turning it into a paragraph? Well, in my own life, I have certain scriptures that are like well-used tools, right? Something that I'm very comfortable with. It's a tool that I'm very well-versed in and it's something that works. Here's an example. In real life, in, in the natural realm, I used to work for a satellite internet company, satellite TV company and internet company. And my job was to install the satellite dishes on people's houses and to run the wiring and to make sure everything worked. And throughout those years, my most important and most valuable tool was my electric cordless drill. I had that thing hooked onto my tool belt. And I, if I ever left home without that drill, I would, I mean, I would have to turn around and come back. There was no way I could, I could survive a day of my job without that drill. And I used it for absolutely everything. And when I first started out with that, with that company, I had a cheap drill. Right? I was saving some money. I bought some cheapy, cheap drill. But it did not take long for me to figure out that I needed a professional drill. If I was going to do a professional level work, I really needed a robust, uh, well-built drill that could last. And so I went out and I you know, spent a bunch of money and I got the fanciest drill I could get. Just solid, solid drill, you know, popular company and all that stuff. And man, I used that drill for so many years. I probably got 15 years. I am not exaggerating. 15 years of use out of that drill. Um, I think maybe about four, four of it probably was that job and the rest of it was just around my house, you know. But that drill even survived a couple of falls off of two-story roofs. And that thing could take the heat. And so that was like my, my favorite my valuable drill. I just, I knew it well. My hand fit it perfectly. I got used to it. It was well-worn. Well, in the same way, I have some favorite scriptures, spiritual tools, right? And Proverbs chapter four, we're going to get into this very deeply here today. Proverbs chapter four, if you can start turning there now, if you have your Bibles, uh, that's one such tool for me, verses 20 through 22. If you look at my Bible, I have uh, that passage of scripture is well-worn. It's got multiple highlights on it. It's got underlines. It's got notes. It's got all sorts of stuff. I've, I've, I've spent a lot of time in this passage. And so I'm excited today to share with you some truths that I've learned from Proverbs chapter four about how to steward a word from God and how to, uh, how to really, you know, uh, impact your life by, by being led by the Holy Spirit. And so Proverbs chapter four, I'm just going to read it to you. And then, and then we're going to go into each, into each piece. And so verse 20 says, my son, Give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart. He's talking about the words, right? Keep them. For they, the words, are life to those who find them and health to all their flesh. 
Wow. That is one of the densest passages of scripture I've ever seen. Dense meaning there is a lot packed in there. Wow. I love it. I absolutely love that passage of scripture. All right. So did you catch that? At the very end, it says, for they, the words are life to those who find them and health to all their flesh. Let's look at that first. I want to look at so when I study this out, oftentimes I'll study it out word for word. But if you notice, there's a pattern here. It says, my son, give attention to my words. And, it, and it, he gives you all these commands, right? Give attention to my words, incline your ear, do not let them depart, keep them, you know, all this stuff. So he's telling you what to do. But then at the end of this thing, he gives you the reward. He's like, this is what you're going to get if you follow these, these commandments. And so I'm going to jump ahead and we're going to skip dinner. And we're going to go straight to dessert for a moment. This is what Jenny would do. Jenny loves eating dessert first. So we're going to get to the, the dessert, as it were. We're going to find out what the reward of this thing is. What's the prize at the end of this thing? And then we're going to get into the, to the meat and the potatoes, all right? So check this out. For they are life unto those that find them and health to all their flesh. Man, this is, I mean, hello, life unto all that find them and health to all their flesh. Isn't that what everybody's looking for right now? Isn't that what everybody wants is life and health to all their flesh? Not just some of their flesh, but all their flesh. Wow. I'm telling you right now, the scripture is full of power. God's word has the power. Check this out. In the Hebrew, the word life is the word chai, chai, okay? And uh, it's actually a plural. It's not just a singular. So technically it should read, they are lifes, lifes unto those that find them. And that kind of sounds funny in the English, but listen to the, the, the definition of this Hebrew word. This word chai carries this idea of life, sustenance, maintenance. It's not eternal life. It's just, it's like welfare, it's happiness. And in fact, it actually carries this idea of happiness in the king's presence. What's that about? You can be happy. You can be full of vigor, even when you're in front of a king instead of trembling. It consists of earthly happiness, often combined with spiritual blessedness. So I want to encourage you right off the get-go, this is not only a spiritual thing. I think you can see that clearly from the second part of this verse, health to all their flesh. This is not talking about spiritual blessedness. This is talking about physical, spirit, soul, and body, not just one or the other. It also talks about happiness, great happiness, blessedness, blissfulness, the joys of heaven, prosperity, blessing, and enjoyment of good. We could stop right there, camp on this thing, and say, man, that's what everybody wants. We want life. We want life to the fullest. We want happiness and joy and all this stuff. And I'm telling you, this is what the scripture says. This is God's promise to us is we can have life to those who find them. We're going to get into that in a minute. But the words of God are life. This is actually also in John chapter six, verse 63. I'm not going to take the time right now, but look it up on your own. The word of God is life. Okay. Now listen to this health to all their flesh. Someone out there might be saying, Hey, are you making this up, Justin? Is this really health to all their flesh? Are you sure this isn't spiritual? Well, Again, open up your Bible. I want you to see this for yourself. Otherwise, you might not believe me. Health to all their flesh. The word flesh is the flesh of the body, exterior skin, but generally the whole body. Okay, that's pretty clear to me, I think. And then health literally is health, healing, cure, profit, soundness of mind, healing, medicine, remedy of a disease, and also refreshment. So, we have health, healing, cure, soundness of mind, profit, healing, medicine, remedy of a disease, refreshment to your body, your flesh, your exterior skin, your whole body. Wow. 
life unto those who find them, and health to all their flesh. So we could, again, we could camp on this for everything, but I think this is one of those scriptures that no matter who you are, you know, and I, I do this often, just meditate on this scripture, spend some time in this passage of scripture. And, you know, there's so many, let me just take a, a quick tangent just for a moment here that I've been involved in the healing movements of, well, I don't know if that's the right term, the healing movement, but let's just say I've been part of like the charismatic movement or, you know, the Pentecostal style churches who believe in divine healing for many years now. And so I've seen a lot of people come to the front at the end of a service for prayer. I've seen people come to prayer at home groups. I've seen on missions trips, you know, people come forward for prayer. People tell us stories. There's people wanting prayer in the church bulletin. I've been part of churches over the years that, you know, even churches that don't necessarily believe in healing. You know, they have church bulletins and they talk about how they're praying to God for their healing. You know, keep so-and-so in your prayers. They've got cancer and so on and so forth. And there are a lot of people that don't get healed, right? I'm sure you know somebody, maybe you yourself have prayed to God and you just don't get healed. And you might say, well, I guess it's not God's will to heal. Okay. You might jump to that conclusion for some reason, right? I get it. But you know what else I've seen? I've seen a lot of people get healed. A lot of people receive their healing. And so over the years, I'm, I'm studying this and I'm thinking, you know, this is interesting because there are patterns to people who get healed. And there's also patterns that I see in people that don't get healed. Interesting. Here's an example. There's a, a woman I'm thinking of now and she, she came forward for prayer. And I remember that she just came right up and said, I have such and such an issue. Can you pray for me? And so I prayed for her, you know, and as I was praying for her, I just knew in my heart, I just said, man, you know what? She, she's not operating in faith. I don't know what's going on. This isn't, I'm just, I'm going to pray for her. But she was, she came to me with this attitude more of like, well, just, let's just try this. Right. That's not an attitude of faith. And I'm here to tell you that if you're not in faith, you're, you're going to get in trouble. So I, you know, I, didn't say anything. I probably should have said something, you know, but I didn't. I just prayed for her. She didn't get healed. Okay. No, no surprise there. And I ended up having this lady in a, in a, in a Bible study. And so for the next few weeks, I spent time with her talking about things. We talked about healing. We talked about the scripture and I brought these scriptures up that, you know, Proverbs chapter four, when she saw this, her eyes lit up and then I didn't see her for a couple weeks. And then a couple weeks later, I see her at church and she comes to the front, just like she did weeks before, several weeks before, months maybe before at this point. But she looked different. She had a light in her eyes. And she walked up to me. And I knew she was still dealing with the same ailment, or ailment, I should say. I, I believe it was migraines, severe migraines. And they just, you know, every night they would happen to render her completely. I mean, she wasn't able to come to Bible study several several times because she was at home. And her husband would come and say, oh, well, so-and-so, you know, my wife is, is unable to come because she has a migraine tonight. And so this was very, very debilitating for her. Well, she came forward and she looked different. And I looked at her and I, I said, you know, can, can I pray for you? Or, you know, what, 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 how can I pray with you? And she looked at me and she just said, you lay your hands on me and I'll be healed. <laughs> That's all she said. And I said, okay. And so I just reached out my hands and I'm telling you, right, God is my witness. Before my hands even, t I was going to reach out and touch her shoulders. Before I even touch her shoulders, I could feel the power of God flow through me into her. And, and she looked at me and she said, I'm healed. <laughs> I said, okay, praise the Lord, you know, but guess what? She was, she was, I, I knew her for several years after that. And she didn't have a migraine after that instantly healed. Well, I talked to her later and I said, what changed? What was the difference? You came up the first time and you were, you had no, you didn't have an ounce of faith. She said, you're right. I didn't have an ounce of faith. I was just trying it. I just wanted to, just to try it. I said, okay. 
well, what, what changed? What happened next time? She said, after we talked about the scriptures, after we were in the Bible study and you showed those scriptures to me, she said, I meditated on the word of God. And I just spent time reading the scripture on healing. And I just got it into my mind. I just read it. I read it. I read it. I kept it in front of my eyes. I read it. I kept reading it. And I just, I memorized it. And I just kept that scripture in front of my mind that, that he would provide healing to all my flesh, right? Life to those who find them and health to all their flesh. And I just kept that verse in front of my mind, in front of my mind. And then some, one day I just woke up and I said, I've got it. I know I, she just was full of faith. She was ready. She just came forward that night and she just got it and she received her healing. And so that's a pattern I see. Many times we think that, you know, you can get healed just by coming through a healing line at a church or calling someone and having your friend pray for you, but you're not in the word of God and you're not renewing your mind to the word of God. And you're not spending any time in these scriptures that talk about healing. You know, honestly, I, I would be surprised if somebody got healed, to be perfectly frank with you. If they came forward in a healing line, hadn't been spending any, any time in the word of God, hadn't renewed their mind to the word of God, were watching all sorts of junk on TV, weren't, you know, allowing the, the Holy Spirit to breathe on them in revelation, uh, you know, the revelation of God's word and doing all these things. And, and again, renewing their mind to what the word of God says, especially if they come up and they tell me, well, I'm just going to try it. You know, let's just see if God heals me today. Maybe he will, maybe he won't. I don't know what God's will is. Maybe it's his will to heal me. Maybe it's not. I'd be surprised. I'd be surprised out of my own shoes if somebody got healed. Now, if somebody else came, came up to me and just was telling me how they were in the word and how, you know, God was revealing to them these things because they were in the scripture, they were meditating on the word of God. I, I wouldn't be surprised at all if they got healed. Because look at the scripture. It says, they are life. The words of God are life to those who find them and their health to all their flesh. I think somebody needs to hear that today. You know, I'm not trying to say these things to make you feel bad. I'm not trying to, you know, put you in a box and try to say, well, you know, you don't have, that's why you didn't get healed. You don't have enough faith. You know, I'm not trying to make you feel bad. I'm not trying to say that. What I'm trying to say is that the word of God contains life. Meditating on the word of God will bring health. Have you been meditating on the word? Or are you just going out and trying to get someone else to pray over you? To snap your fingers, you know, have someone wave their hand over you like magic and just have the, have the healing happen in your life? Or are you just throwing a prayer up? I hear people talk about popcorn prayers or hot dog prayers. <laughs> you know, you just throw a little hot dog prayer up there to the Lord. You throw a little popcorn prayer up there to the Lord. Well, you know what I'm saying? You, you sow what you reap, man. If you're sowing, sowing popcorn, you're going to get popcorn. You want a popcorn healing? Healing? Where's my accent coming from? You want a hot dog healing or do you want a full course meal healing? Don't be throwing popcorn and hot dogs up there to heaven. Connect with the Lord. Spend time with him. Get to know him through his word. That's where the action happens. Hey, I'm about to start preaching here. All right. <laughs> I'm having fun. Hopefully hopefully you're enjoying this. Maybe I just maybe I just made it worse for you. Hey, if I've made it worse for you, I'm sorry. I, I'm not trying to make it worse for you. Just email me, justin at kindassglobal.org. Email me and we'll talk about it. It's fine. Praise God. You know, I'm just excited that the word of God has the power. Okay, this is pretty cool. So we've looked at the prizes. I'm calling them prizes of this thing. We've looked at the, the results that we want, but how do we get there? I've talked a little bit about that, but I'm going to get into some real detail here. I'm not going to be vague. I'm going to get into some detail. When I'm studying this out, I see six different commands in here. Well, maybe not commands, but let's, let's call them conditions. I see six conditions to obtain the prizes or the promises of, of what we just read, Proverbs chapter 4, verse 22. Six things. Ready for this? The first one. If you're taking notes, number one, you must be a child of God. I've missed this over the years. This is one of the ones that I've missed. The very first thing he says is my son, my son. What does that mean? Child or children in, in, the, in the Hebrew text. It means to be a child. Now, 
there are many things, you know, spiritual truths that apply to everybody, regardless of their spiritual sonship. Like here's an example, you know, whatever a man sows, that he shall also reap or seed time and harvest. These are principles that will work for anybody. That's why you see rich people who are ungodly, you know, when they give to charities and they operate in this principle of sowing and reaping, they tend to prosper more. And you're like, why are they prospering? <laughs> They're wicked. They're not even following God. Well, these people are still adhering to certain principles like working hard. That's a godly principle. They work hard. They're doing things in the natural that are actually wisdom. They're making wise financial decisions. They have business ideas. Like you don't have to be spiritual to have a good business idea. What I'm talking about here though is specifically, this is a promise to the children of God. My son, my son, this is, you know, literally directly to a person who is already in the family of God. Well, how do you get into the family of God? Briefly, <laughs> it's just receiving Jesus as your savior, realizing that you cannot, and me, we can't work our way up to God. There's all sorts of other religions out there that if you want to try to work your way up to God and burn yourself out, go for it. There are a lot of religions out there. In fact, all of the other religions out there, besides Christianity, if you look at them, they all are about working your way up to God. Christianity is the only, again, religion in quotes, where God himself came down and died as the sacrificial lamb for our sins on the cross of Calvary 2,000 years ago for us so that we could have relationship with him, so that we could come into his family. Our spirits, when we were born, were sinful. And through the blood of Jesus, we have the opportunity to have brand new spirits washed in the blood of Jesus. I know it sounds kind of gross to some of you. Washed in the blood, what's that about? Well, you've got to realize that they used to do sacrifices. In fact, they still do that today. There's lots of sacrifices happening today. Lots of people and innocents being killed today. They're the demon gods of sacrifice are still, are still very much active. But these old cultures, and again, some new cultures, understand this idea of atonement or sacrifice. You sacrifice and you spill the blood of something that's innocent in order to cover your sin. Okay, that's what a lot of these cults and all these things are trying to do. Well, the God of the Bible would do that in the Old Testament. He would show them, he built up this whole thing. Again, you look at the Old Testament, you look at all the laws and you look at all the weird rituals they have around, you know, killing the lamb and putting the hand on the on the head of the goat and sending the goat out into the wilderness and waving this thing before the Lord. And you're like, what is all this crazy stuff? Was that just a bunch of weird ritualism? No, it wasn't. It was God of the Bible, the God of the Israelite people showing them a pattern and producing this culture of symbolism around the birth, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's absolutely amazing if you look into it. And I was actually talking to a Hindu friend recently about this very same thing. And it's just interesting about like the symbolism in the scripture and how it points to Jesus Christ. So totally awesome. And so again, receiving Jesus as your Lord and Savior saying, wow, you know what? There's only one God and I am not him. <laughs> I'm not God. And I'm going to accept the fact that Jesus, I'm going to accept him as my savior. He, I'm going to accept his payment on the cross for my sin. I will take that. Yes. You know, and how do you do this? It's easy as ABC. A, admit that you need him. That's easy because everyone needs Jesus. B, believe in your heart that he died on the cross and he rose again for you. Again, that's easy to believe as well. The Bible documents it and extra biblical sources talk about uh, his resurrection quite a bit. Early church fathers and so on and so forth. And then C, confess. Do you confess all your sins? Of course not. That would... <laughs> That would be ridiculous. You'd probably miss a few and it would just be a big mess, right? I know I would miss them all, right? It'd be a big mess. No, you confess with your mouth, Jesus as Lord. Say, Jesus is Lord of my life. And that's how you do it. So my son, right? So the first criteria here is that you, you need to be a child of God. 
All right. Again, I'm going to make mention real quick that some of you might be saying, well, you know, that here we are again in the Old Testament, Justin, and you're saying we can just directly apply this to our life. Well, I got two points for you. Okay. If that's what you're saying and you're going to say, well, this was, this was written to, to the people of Israel, we're the church or we're, we're not, you know, that's not us today. Point number one is that Galatians chapter three, verse 29 says that if you are Christ's, which we, we just talked about that being blood, uh, blood bought, you know, bought by the blood of Christ. If you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's seed. Abraham. Abraham was the, was the very first. He was the person that God chose to uh, proliferate the nation of Israel. You are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. That's in Galatians chapter 3, verse 29. This is Paul talking to a New Testament church. People who are not born Jews. People who are born Gentiles. They're heirs according to the promise if they're in Christ. So the promise of the word of God is to us today and to all of our children, so on and so forth, through the blood of Jesus. Point number two is that the Bible also talks about how under the blood of Jesus, it's the new covenant. It's not the old covenant. The old covenant is what we see in the Old Testament, right? That's what it means. Old covenant, Old Testament. It's the old the old law, the old way of doing things. And now that Jesus has come and died, it's the New Testament. It's the new will and testament ratified in his blood. And now we have a new covenant. A better covenant is what it says. Established on better promises. That's what the Bible says. And so if these promises were to the people of Israel in the Old Testament under the Old Covenant... Do you really think that in the New Testament, in the New Covenant, we've got it worse off? Absolutely not. We have it exactly the same as they did and better. It's established upon better promises. All right, so that's enough on that. My son, give attention to my words. Well, it says, give attention to my words. Give attention to my words. What is this? This is a command. It means to pay attention, to give attention to a thing. Listen to this. This is cool. I found this in my studies. It's, it's literally this idea of, you know, causing your ears to listen. Now think about that for a minute. Causing your ears to listen. I don't know about you, but I can hear a lot of things at the same time, but I'm only able to listen to like one thing at a time. Maybe you can listen to both. Maybe if you're if you're a woman, you can listen to two things at once. You can multitask. I can't do that. I can really listen to one thing. Here's a here's an example. If I'm studying or if I'm working or I'm doing something and Jenny can walk by me, she can literally speak in my ear at an inch away. And again, God is my witness. I will not hear what she says because I'm so focused on what I'm doing. It's like my brain tells me that there's some sort of input out there that's coming in and I, okay, but, but I'm so focused. I'm, I'm listening only to one thing, which is whatever it is that I'm working on. Or maybe you're in a crowded room and you're, you're talking to someone. I've, I do this all the time at coffee shops. I listen to the person in front of me and I do my very best not to listen to the people around me. Sometimes it's really challenging, you know, because you're eavesdropping and you don't mean to, and you hear things that you shouldn't hear. Oh my goodness. These people, why do they talk about that stuff at coffee shops where everyone can hear? It's crazy. But listen, this is what I'm talking about, you know, causing your ear to listen. So this isn't just allowing the word of God to come into you passively. This is once it comes into you, aggressively doing something with it. You're, you're causing your ears to listen. So listen, so check this out. When you look into this in the Greek, it carries this idea of pricking up your ears or sharpening your ears. When I first thought of that, I, my mind immediately went to my son's uh, pencil sharpener and like sticking my ear in the pencil sharpener. I'm like, okay, that's not what the Bible says. That'd be terrible. No, sharpening your ear as an animal pricks up its ears to hear. Now I wrote this down in my journal. Check this out. Animals prick up their ears for a few reasons. Number one, when hunting their prey. Number two, when being hunted themselves. And number three, when caring for their young. 
I'm actually thinking about a certain type of animal called an okapi, and it makes a noise that only the baby can hear. And then the baby makes a noise that only the mother can hear. And so they prick up their ears, you know. If you want to take what I just said about the animals and, and make an analogy to the spiritual realm, these are reasons for us to prick up our ears. Number one, when hunting their prey. Number one, we relentlessly are to pursue our passions and calling in life like a hunter going after the thing that God's called us to do. Number two, the devil and his forces are rallied against us, seeking to devour us, just like the, um, the animals would, would prick up their ears when they're being hunted. We prick up our ears to the word of God because the enemy's coming after us and doing things. He wants to wreak havoc in your life. That's another reason to prick up our ears to the word of God. And then number three, pricking up our ears will also aid us or help us to be godly parents and caregivers to the people that God's trusted to us. And I think all those are 100% valid applications of the scripture is to prick up our ears to the word of God. So what that means for you is, is to really make your ears listen, right? Like don't just turn on your Bible app in your car and drive to work and space out and think about something else and allow the word of God to just kind of mindlessly go in one ear and go out the other ear. And there's more to this. What I'm saying here is, you know, attend unto the words of God. He's saying, cause your ears to listen, prick up your ears, sharpen them to hearing God's word. Like an animal in the wild whose very life depends on it, prick up your ears to find your purpose. Avoid being caught by Satan and so also that you may raise godly legacy. Attend unto the words of God for those reasons. And so now this, right, this next part says, incline your ear to my sayings. Many people think that that's attend unto my words and incline your ear are the same thing. Those are not synonymous. Those are different. And I'm going to show you why. Incline your ears. Incline your ears. The word incline means to stretch out, to spread out, to turn, incline, bend down, extend, or thrust something. So it carries this idea of physical movement. Do you notice that? Stretching out, uh, turning, inclining, bending. And so this is different than sharpening up your ears. Sharpening your ears or pricking up your ears to the word of God is internal. Inclining your ears is more in a figurative sense. It's external. And in the Greek version of the Old Testament, this word used for incline is the word actually used. It's a very, very strong word. It's very interesting to me that it's that strong. And it literally is this idea of casting something down forcefully, like throwing yourself down on the floor before the Lord, right? Or going prostrate before him or something or throwing something on the ground. Judas threw the 30 pieces of silver on the ground in the temple. It's the same word. It's the same word. And so this, this whole idea, you know, of inclining your ear takes, takes a physical meaning. So check this out. The word sayings talks about the words, the promises, the commands, or the utterances of God. And so here's the summary. Incline your ear, cast yourself down before the Lord. Yield every part of yourself to his words. Let his words direct the movement and every decision of your life. Don't just attend to or prick up your ears and let his words go in one ear and out the other. Once you prick up your ears, do whatever it takes to place yourself in a position to regularly hear his words. Reposition yourself to hear, internalize, and act upon the written and spoken words of God. And again, let's go back to that example I shared of that woman who had the migraines. You know, she may have heard with her ears that God desired, you know, that it was God's will to heal her, which is why she came to the front in the first place. At least she had an idea that he might heal her. She maybe didn't believe that he would heal her at that moment, but she had an idea that he might. So she had at least this idea coming into her mind, but it wasn't until she physically, you know, she pricked up her ears. She took it seriously. She made a movement in her life, inclined. She inclined her ears. She got serious. She made movement in her life. She started meditating on the word day in, day out, 
day in, day out. She inclined her ears to the word of God. She gave it place in her life. And, and some of you might be thinking at this point, Justin, this seems like a lot of work. I thought we were supposed to receive things by God's grace. Well, here's how it works, my friend. God's grace is absolutely the, the reason that we're getting anything. It's, it's not by our own works that we're getting this. However, no amount of works can you and I make healing happen in our life, right? There's absolutely no way we could work hard enough to please God enough to where that's going to just twist his arm and make him do something for us. Absolutely not. But it is by the work of faith. It is by the work of spending time in the word of God and renewing our, our mind to the word of God that we activate, that we cause his word, his promise to actually materialize in our life. I'm going to say that again. By grace, God has provided healing. By grace, God has provided salvation. But it's by faith by the work of faith, by you and me engaging with his promise, by engaging with that grace, does it have full potential to realize itself in our life? I hope that makes sense to you. Just like receiving Jesus, receiving, you know, salvation from your sins. Somebody can hear about Jesus and, and, and understand with their mind that it's, it's God's will to save them and, and they can still go down to the grave without accepting Jesus and they'll go to hell for it because they thought that they could earn righteousness some other way. And you can't, you can't earn righteousness another way. The person who engages with what God's done through grace receives the promise. It's the same way with healing. It's the exact same thing. You incline your ear to the word of God. You build up your mind with the word of God and you understand what God has provided through grace. And then by faith, you engage into that promise and you're able to receive what he wants you to receive. It's the exact same thing as salvation. People complicate it. We don't need to complicate the word of God. All right. Now, I want to take a moment before I go to the next verse, before I go to the next bullet point, rather, we have my son, that's number one. We have giving attention to his words, that's number two. We have inclining your ear to his sayings. And then the next one is to, you know, not let them depart from your eyes. Before we get into that, I want to talk about the sayings of God. What are the sayings of God and where do we find them? Some people might say, well, I'm going to wait until so-and-so the prophet speaks to me and that's going to be my word from God. Or I'm going to wait until God speaks to me in an audible voice. Well, the sayings of God are, you guessed it, in the Bible. But let me prove it to you. Let me, take it, let me take it one step further. Since we are talking about healing and health to all their flesh, I want to show you something really powerful that I believe is going to change your life. So let's go to the book of Hebrews in the very first chapter and the very first verse. Hebrews chapter 1 verse 1. God who at various times and in various ways spoke in time past to the fathers by the prophets has in these last days spoken to us by his son, whom he has appointed heir of all things through whom also he made the worlds who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power. When he had by himself purged our sins, talking about Jesus sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become so much better than the angels, as he has by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. I want you to notice that in this passage, the Holy Spirit is showing us that Jesus, the Son of God, is the way that God is speaking to us in these last days. It says in verse 2, God has in these last days spoken to us by his Son. And then notice verse 3, Jesus being the express image of his person. So Jesus is the express image of the person of God. So if you want to know what God is like, 
we look at Jesus. That's the point I'm making here. Look, look over here in the book of John. I'm going to read some scripture to you today because I, I really want to emphasize to you that it's the word of God. That it's time in the word of God that's going to change your life. It's not just Justin's podcast that you listen to once and get to feel good and move on. I'm really encouraging you. Take the things that I'm saying. Get into the scripture. Open it up. Look at it with your eyes. Incline your ear to these things personally. And, it'll, and I promise you it'll, it'll change your life. John chapter 12 verse 44, then Jesus cried out and said, he who believes in me believes not in me, but in him who sent me. And he who sees me sees him who sent me. So if we see, see Jesus, we see God is what he just said. Interesting. I have come as a light into the world that whoever believes in me should not abide in darkness. And if anyone hears my words and does not believe, I do not judge him for I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. Praise God. Jesus came to save the world. Next time he comes, he's going to judge the world. But this time, the first time that he came, he came to save the world. He here rejects me and does not receive my words, has that which judges him. The word that I have spoken will judge him in the last day. Now listen to this. For I have not spoken on my own authority, but the father who sent me gave me a command, what I should say and what I should speak. And I know that his command is everlasting life. Therefore, whatever I speak, just as the father has told me, so I speak. Now let's go over to John chapter 14 and verse 10. He says, do you not believe that I am in the father and the father in me? The words that I speak to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the father who dwells in me does the works. Believe me that I am in the father and the father in me, or else believe me for the sake of the works themselves and so on and so forth. And, and again, you can find this all over all over the scripture. So what I'm getting at here is that Jesus is the express image of the person of God. And so, so many people, I, I don't mean to take this lightly or make light of this, so please forgive me in advance, but so many people are out here saying, I need a word from God and praying, oh God, give me a word. I need a word. I need a word. I need a word. Meanwhile, their Bible is sitting there collecting dust. Do you see what I'm getting at? The word of God is the word of God. <laughs> I know that's simple, but it's profound, okay? You're waiting for a word, you know, and you got you got the Bible sitting right there. Here's an example of inclining our ear to the word of God. If you want to get healing for your body, since that seems to be the theme that we're talking about today, we just established that Jesus is the image of God. He's the express image of God, and he also gets his words from God. Incline thine ear, right? It says incline your ear to his sayings, to his words. So what are you inclining your ear towards? Incline your ear to the words of Jesus. So you can go through the Bible and you can look at the words of Jesus. You can incline your ear. You can build your life upon it. And you can see this thing happen. Matthew chapter 8 is an absolutely incredible chapter. If you need healing in your body, Matthew chapter 8 is your new home away from home. Verse 1, when he, talking about Jesus, had come down from the mountain, great multitudes followed him. And behold, a leper came and worshipped him, saying, Lord... If you are willing, you can make me clean. And that's the question a lot of people have today. They come to Jesus and they say, Lord, if it's your will, if it be thy will, I can't tell you how many times people have come to me and said, well, will you pray for me that, you know, that I'm healed? And I say, okay, well, you know, are you, are you going to get healed today? Or is it God's will to heal you? And they say, well, I sure hope so. And I say, and what do I do with that? You know, I, I, I usually come up with something. I don't know. I, it's, it's hard to pray with someone like that when you, when you, 
when you pray with them and they're, they have, it's literally a, a coin toss. They're like, well, I could get healed today. I might not get healed. I don't really know if I'm going to get healed. I'm not sure if it's God's will to heal me. And I'm not trying to be hard on you. I, you know, I used to believe the same thing until I really got into the word of God, started letting the word of God change the way I think. That's the cure to this. If you think that way, I'm not trying to say this to hurt you or make you feel bad, but I'm encouraging you to get into the Bible, find out what the word of God says. And here's a prime example. I'm giving it to you. This is a freebie. Behold, a leper came to him and worshiped him saying the same thing you're saying, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. And before we go on, recall, Jesus's words are the father's words. Right? We just saw that in Hebrews chapter 1 and also uh, two places in you know, John 12, John 14 as well, where Jesus is, says, hey, the words that I speak to you, they come from God. I only speak on his authority. I don't come up with the words myself, but I'm only telling you the things that I've heard from God. So when you hear Jesus say something, you can take it to the bank that God the Father is saying the same thing. Otherwise, the scripture is a lie, right? And God cannot lie. And So if you want to take the Bible seriously, then this is the conclusion that you, you're, you're going to end up coming to. Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Verse three, then Jesus put out his hand and touched him saying, I am willing, be cleansed. Immediately his leprosy was cleansed. Brothers and sisters, I'm telling you right now, it is God's will to heal you. The scripture says it. And again, in the Old Testament, we see it. And we've already talked about how if you're in Christ, you have a new and better covenant. And right here, I've given you one and I could give you multiple, multiple, multiple examples of this. But I've given you one very clear example where someone might say, well, I'm, you know, maybe it's God's will to heal me. I'm not sure if it's his will, he'll heal me. Well, I'm telling you, it is his will. Then Jesus put out his hand, verse three, and touched him saying, I am willing. If Jesus was willing, then he's willing now. Does God change? Has Jesus changed? Absolutely not. Here's another one. I'm going to give you another bonus. I told you I'd just give you one, but let's do another one. <laughs> verse five. Now, when Jesus had entered Capernaum, this is of Matthew chapter eight, a centurion came to him pleading with him saying, Lord, my servant is lying at home, paralyzed, dreadfully tormented. And Jesus said unto him, I will come and heal him. Interesting. There it is again. And listen to this. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I'm not worthy that you should come under my roof, but only speak a word. He was ready to incline his ear, wasn't he? Right? Only speak a word and my servant will be healed. For I also am a man under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to this one, go, and he goes. And to another, come, and he comes. And to my servant, do this, and he does it. <laughs> What's Jesus' response to this? Isn't this amazing? Check this out. When Jesus heard it, he marveled. He marveled. He only marveled twice in the Bible, by the way. <laughs> he marveled at this, and he also marveled at an instance where um, people did not have faith. So it's interesting that the two places where Jesus marveled is one where he marveled at their lack of faith. And then in this case, he's marveling at strong faith. And I'll prove it to you. It says, he marveled and said unto those who followed, assuredly, I say unto you, I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel. And, and, and the, the servant was healed. So this is what it looks like to incline your ear. Incline your ear to the word of God. You're doing something with it. You're not just letting it come in one ear and, one, and out the other. You're actually going to make a move on it. You're going to integrate it into your life. And we're going to get into that here in a moment. Hopefully that's encouraging to you. That, that changed my life. When I saw this for the first time, it absolutely changed my life forever. No, I, you'll never hear me say anything like, well, if it's God's will to heal or I, you know, I, I wonder if it's God's will to do this. No, 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 no. God's will is his word. And if you, if you think it's 
If you're not sure about the will of God, then, then you get into the word of God. He will reveal to you his will. His will is his word. If you see it in the word, you can take it to the bank. The problem is that people don't want to take the time. And again, I'm not picking on anybody. I just, I just want to encourage you that in this culture, in this day and age, it's a lot easier for us to just Google something, you know, and a lot of times you're Googling totally the wrong thing. What symptoms do I see in my body? And what does this mean? And then you start meditating on all that. And then you look at this and you see what the doctors say. You see what Mayo Clinic says and you see what all this, and I'm not saying that those guys are bad. I'm not saying that the medical science is bad. Okay. I'm not, I'm not saying that I used to work in the medical field for, for seven years. Praise God. I did, you know, it was good. I got to see a lot of stuff and learn a lot of stuff and medicine works, right? All this stuff is great. You know, it's keeping people alive. However, what I am saying is that if you want to really see the will of God come to pass in your life and you want to walk in divine health and healing, you want to, you know, live a victorious life and not be taken out by all these frequent sicknesses and diseases and pestilences and all this stuff that just keeps coming and coming and coming and slowing you down. I'm here to tell you, man, it's not God's will for you to be sick. I think it's clear. We can see that from scripture. And I know people take offense to that. I'm sure somebody right now is, is taking offense to that. But I'm, I'm not going to back off what the Bible says. There's absolutely no, no shred of evidence to this whole idea that, you know, it's God's will for people to be sick, you know, especially Christians. You know, we're going to let God make us sick so that we can learn something through it. That's absolutely, you cannot find that in scripture. Here's an example. So when I started seeing this, this truth is that it was actually God's will to heal me or, you know, for me to walk in divine health. I said, my gosh, this is, <laughs> this is better news than I ever imagined, you know, had no idea. And so, you know what I did? I, I went out and, and I started applying this thing right away. And the only way I knew how, uh, we had, you probably have heard, you know, of the flu season, right? Everybody at work, you know, and all sorts of things. They say, well, you know, flu season is here. Everybody get your flu shot and all this kind of thing. Fine. Well, you know what I did years of, of years and years, as far back as I can remember when people said it was flu season, I would speak over my life. I would say, well, I'm going to, you know, I guess I'll get the flu. I'll get the flu this year. And like I always do. And I did every year I got the flu and it was horrible every year I got the flu. And I always would say, well, this is the time of the year to get it. And I would get it. I look back at myself and I say, how dumb can you get? You know, I was being an idiot back then. I was speaking it over my life and bringing it in. Well, I would do that. I would also have allergies and I'd say, well, it's time for the pollen to be out. And so I'm, you know, I, I just, I'm going to have my allergies, you know, this year and every year I would get my allergies and every year I would get my flu and I would miss days of work and the whole thing. It happened like that clockwork every year. So then I have this revelation. I'm reading the scripture. I'm letting the scripture change my life. I'm letting it change the way I think. I'm starting to believe God's word over everything else. And I'm like, looks like God's will is that I walk in health, you know, health to all my flesh and meditate on the word of God, health to all my flesh. Hmm. And so I'm like, you know what? Fine. Screw this thing. I'm not going to, I'm not going to get sick anymore. And I said, this is my last year or last year was my last time getting the flu. And this was over 15 years ago. Well, guess what? 15 years have come and gone. I haven't had the flu once, not even one time. I used to have it every single year. And then I decided I wouldn't have it anymore because of the word of God. I'm going to walk in the light of the word of God. And again, this wasn't just one, a one-time thing of me just saying it and walking away. No, I have made a decision to constantly attend unto the words of God, prick up my ears to the word of God, attend unto his words, incline my ear, movement, right? It causes, it's, it's this yielding of your life to the word of God. Man, I hope, I hope this is encouraging to somebody. I, I know I'm stepping on some toes. I know I'm some, I'm, I'm, you know, probably killing some sacred cows here, but to be honest with you, with you, I, I don't have, to, we don't have time to mess around anymore. We do not have time. If things are changing in the earth today. God is doing things on the earth today. Satan is doing things on the earth today. And 
Jesus is coming back soon. Jesus Christ is coming back and he's going to return just like he said he would. And honestly, I my passion is to just encourage people and encourage, especially believers, that, hey, let's take off the gloves. What are we doing? You know, what are we doing? Are we messing around with this thing? Are you going to keep living like your unsaved neighbor? Are you going to live just as defeated and dejected as everyone else? I mean, honestly, if you have an unbeliever, their spirit is dead, just like you and I were. Our spirits were dead before Jesus. You ought to be able to tell the difference between a dead person and a live person if you put them side by side. You should tell, you should be able to kick one of them and find out if one of them yelps. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you should be able to figure out which one's living and which one's dead. Well, if you have an unsaved person, you know, and again, I'm not trying to speak ill of anybody. I'm just saying your spirit is dead. That's what the Bible says. And again, that's where I was too, praise God. But my spirit's alive now. I've been born again. I've got, you know, the life of Jesus in me. I've got the Holy Spirit in me. There should be a difference between a person whose life has been changed and their unsaved neighbor. I really believe with all my heart, you should, as a believer, you should actually, you should absolutely be growing in the word of God. You should absolutely be walking in victory. 100% walking in the things that God says God has designed for us. And that includes health. And that includes healing. That includes financial prosperity and, and all this stuff. Why? What's the point of all this? Is it so we can be rich and healthy and thumb our noses at people? Absolutely not. It's because when people see a person who's walking in health and walking in financial stability and wholeness, you know, it's a, it's a marker. One of those things that it does is it's a marker. It's a flag. It's a road sign to point to Jesus Christ. They say, man, this guy has his life together. Like he's not perfect. I'm not perfect. Right. <laughs> We're not perfect. You know, Christians are definitely not perfect. Right. But it at least should be enough to encourage other people and point them in the direction of Jesus. They say, man, what's going on? This guy's happy. He's not complaining at work like everyone else. He seems like he's, you know, you name it. And, and there should be a difference between a dead person and a live person. This person has joy. What is it? Why do you have so much joy? I can't tell. I can't even begin to tell you how many times I've had people at, at my college, at my university, come up to me out of the blue and ask me, how am I able to do what I'm doing? I always see, you know, they, they say these things to me. They say, Justin, you're, you didn't, you don't seem to be like you're, you're bothered by anything. You know, you don't seem stressed out about anything. You, we know you, you've got two kids. We know you're going to, you know, aerospace engineering school and, and it's a lot like, cause they're facing the same exams I am, you know? And they say, we know you're, you're going through a lot. How, how is it possible that you can maintain such composure in this season? And I get to share Jesus with them. I just tell them that, Hey, you know, it's because I have a relationship with the Lord and I spend time with him and, and he empowers me to do this stuff. I'd be, if I could, if I didn't have my relationship with God, I wouldn't be able to do anything. And so I just tell him stuff like that. And it, it's, a, it's a way to witness about Jesus. Furthermore, I think it's a way for us to operate the way God designed us to operate in, in bringing in, you know, the end times harvest and seeing other people around the globe. You know, if you don't have two nickels to rub together, how are you going to give to missions, right? How are you going to help fund and encourage, uh, you know, other people around the globe who are ministering the gospel of Jesus in the place that you're never going to get to before. So that's my spiel. I don't know why somebody needed to hear that or, or I just needed to get it off my chest or something. I don't know. But that's why I'm, uh, I'm, I'm just being very blunt about these things is that we don't have a lot of time and there's people that need Jesus today. There's, there's so many people that need Jesus today that need the love of Jesus. They need the body of Christ to rise up and do what we've been called to do. And they need to see people living and w- walking the walk and talking the talk. I read a statistic recently. This was actually staggering. It said something about 70 to 78%. I forgot what it was. It was one of those two numbers. Somewhere between 70 and 78% of this current generation do not trust people in general. They, they, they don't trust people and they, they want to see it. They want to see people walking the walk is basically what the study said. 
70 to 78%. Can you believe that? People aren't just buying what you're selling anymore. People aren't just buying, you know, the fact you invite them to church or something like that. And, you know, you're going to slap them with the Bible verse once in a while and try to get them converted. That's not going to work anymore, guys. It's not going to work in this day and age. What's going to work is you and me, the body of Christ, walking and living and breathing the power, the love, the victory of Jesus Christ. That's what's going to do it for this generation. I'm telling you right now, that's how we do this thing. We love people like God loves us. We forgive people with radical forgiveness. We serve people with everything in our hearts. We walk in the power of God. We give them everything that we possibly can. We give them our lives. We love people with our lives. And we learn how to walk in light with the word of God. And I believe that that's going to change everything. Now, what did Jesus say? He said, they will know them. They will know us. They will know um, the disciples by their what? Love one for another. If you're busy walking in sickness and disease and, you know, poverty and all this stuff, you're going to have a hard time. I'm just telling you right now, the people I know that are in poverty are not very loving people. Okay. I know that there are people who are poor who are, who walk in love. And I know there's rich people who walk in love and there's wealthy people who aren't loving. And I get that. I'm not saying that that's, that's all there is to it, but I'm saying that, you know, fulfilling the things that God's called us to do is at stake here. So, all right. I totally got off on a tangent here. All right. I know someone's going to, someone's going to be frustrated at me for saying something about that. All right. Well, praise the Lord. We're going to move on. Okay. The fourth thing here in Proverbs chapter four, verses 20 through 22 the fourth uh, condition, as, as it were, it says, do not let them, the words of God, depart from thine eyes. Do not let them depart. In the Hebrew, it talks about this, this idea of do not let them be lost from view. Do not let them grow wrong. It says grow wrong or grow crooked or perverse or to go away. Okay. So there's two major applications to this. Number one, do not let God's word be lost from your view. Do not see life without the constant filter of God's word. And I like to think about glasses. You know, if you're wearing glasses, you see everything, you know, the light passes through the lens and it bends a little bit, maybe depending on your prescription and all that type of thing. Right. But it passes through your lens and it goes into your eyeballs and then your eyes, you know, you have uh, hardware in your eyes that convert that to a signal that goes to your brain and your brain interprets it as a picture. All right. Little lesson for you on how it works. Your, your retina and all this stuff converts it to electrical impulses and all this stuff. Anyways, electrical impulse. So you see life. If you're wearing glasses, you're, you're not seeing the light from those objects uh, directly into your eyeballs. They actually travel through a lens. And so if you wear uh, polarized glasses, for instance, or you know polarized sunglasses, I, I wear polarized sunglasses. That means that it actually filters some of the light, the orientation of the light coming into your 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 eyes. Uh, the lens, you know filters it essentially. And that's how they work. If you ever um, want to try this, you can take your, when you're wearing your polarized glasses, look at a computer screen. And sometimes you can, uh, you can't see anything uh, like a certain screen that I have on one of my computers. But normally if you look at a screen with your polarized glasses on, you can see it just fine. But then try turning your head 90 degrees to one, one side or the other. And you should see that computer screen go black. Try it prove it to yourself. What that means is it's the polarized light coming off of your screen is polarized in one direction. And then when you turn your head crossways, your glasses polarize it in a, in a perpendicular direction. And if you have these two perpendicular things, it cancels each other out. And so it, it looks black. And so you could be looking with your eyes wide open, looking right at a screen that's got things going on, but you could, you can turn your head in just such a way that it'll actually black everything out. Likewise, if you turn your head back vertical, you know, you can see, even with those, the, the polarization, you can see what's on that screen. 
And so in the same way, I think about seeing life through the word of God. I see the word of God as glasses and I let the word of God be a polarizing filter that filters out all, all the stuff that, you know, is not in line with the word of God. I don't allow that to come into me and, and change my life. What I, what I see is I see life through the word is what I'm trying to say. Every circumstance in my life, I look at it through the lens of God's word. I, I first, I don't just take it and, and say, well, this is what's happening to me. And so then you start looking at it in some other, some other viewpoint, you know, looking at it, how the world looks at it, looking at how your, how your neighbors look at it. No, I look at it through the word. I don't even look at it through how my, how my friends or my family, you know, tell me how to look at the situation. First, I look at everything through the scripture, the word of God. That was the first point. The second point is that you can let, and this is sobering, you can, because uh, remember one of the definitions says to, to um, number, number one was say, uh, said, do not let them depart from thine eyes. That the first item, uh, depart means to be lost from view or to become uh, crooked or perverse. And this is sobering. It means that the, that you can actually allow God's word, which once was pure in your eyes, you can, and it was once authoritative and maybe once it was sweet to the taste, you can allow it over time to become crooked or perverse in your eyes. And I've seen this happen so many times and it's just the saddest thing in the world. Um, when somebody is walking in light with the word of God and they're, they're walking in communication with God and communion with God. But then for one reason or another, they drift away and they start. And, and usually what happens is the cases that I've seen is that somebody allows the word of God first to take less of a precedent in their life. Or maybe in the beginning, it always was less. They didn't put that much stock in the word of God. They didn't see the life through the word of God. And so life was able to sway them one way or another. And so uh, it just became the slippery slope and they, they fell away from the Lord and, and their life just got destroyed. I've seen that too many times and it's just, it's just horrible. And, and I believe a lot of it comes down to letting the word of God uh, slip from your eyes. One way to summarize this would be to say that we are to actively not allow, not allow the written and spoken words of God to be lost or out of our view every single day. Just keep the word of God in front of your eyes every day and don't allow it to drift. We are to constantly keep his words in the forefront of our minds and vision, respecting and always giving the word first place in our life. We are to be on guard since time, trials, and testing will attempt to trick us into becoming jaded against the word of God. We are to see all of life and make every judgment and decision with, quote, word glasses, end quote, on. <laughs> That's the way I think about it, with word glasses, right? So I want to give you an example from scripture of seeing life through the word or, or, you know, keeping it in front of your eyes. Let's go back to Deuteronomy. I'm going to go to chapter six. There's, uh, there's so many verses here. I just, you know, because of time, I keeping it to a couple select passages, but I'm going to read uh, a few verses here. This is Moses talking to the people of Israel and he is describing to them what God has told him. And again, remember, keep in mind what I said earlier about how in the New Testament, we have a new covenant, a better covenant established on better promises. And this is an old promise. This is in the Old Testament. So everything you see here, we have access to. And not only that, we have better, better promises. Man, I'm just praising God. Just This is exciting when you read this. Think about just, just what they had in the Old Testament was pretty cool. But notice right here what he's, what he's commanding them. He's calling them to do. He says, now this is the commandment. This is um, Deuteronomy chapter six, and I'm starting at verse one. Now this is the commandment. And these are the statutes and the judgments which the Lord your God has commanded to teach you, 
that you may observe them in the land which you are going over to possess, that you may fear the Lord your God, to keep all his statutes and his commandments which I command to you, you and your son and your grandson, all the days of your life, that your days may be prolonged. See, there's another scripture right there on health. That your days may be prolonged, that you would live out a full life. Verse 3, Therefore hear, O Israel, and be careful to observe it, that it may be well with you, and that you may multiply greatly as the Lord God of your fathers has promised you, a land flowing with milk and honey. Verse 4, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. It's a very famous scripture there. Verse 5, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. You see, this is an example of having the word of God at the forefront of every aspect of your life. Verse 7, You shall teach them diligently to your children, and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Can you imagine walking into your door, your, your house and on all your, all around your doorway, you have scriptures, you know? <laughs> I remember there was a house being constructed near us and we would go over and write scriptures in, with Sharpie. Uh, we'd write scriptures on the frame. We did this to strangers' houses, actually, and we, we never actually met them, but we prayed over them, you know. And to this day, as, far, as long as the house is still there, those scriptures are still on their doorposts. <laughs> I think that's cool. Uh, we also, I'm sure you, you, know, you may have heard of doing that for, you know, a friend who's building a house. You go over and write scriptures on their, on their doorposts. And I love that. I think that's a great tradition. I think it's, it's awesome to, to do that. But what I'm talking about is keeping the word of God in every aspect of your life. Man, I'm praising God. I am praising God for that. We can do it. All right. Do not let them depart from your eyes. And then it says, keep them in the midst of your heart. Okay, so what does this mean? Keep them in the midst of your heart. Uh, Keep is the Greek, is this uh, Hebrew, excuse me, Hebrew word that carries this idea of to guard over something, to keep watch over something, to protect something, or to treasure up something. In the midst of your heart. This is the deepest part of a person. And now this is really interesting. I want to share this with you. This, I've been studying this for a while and this, this revelation comes through, again, years of, of study and years of walking in this. And it's, it's just interesting. It says, since there's a mention of the heart, it's important to note that it takes time and effort to take the words of God, which are external inputs, and to get them into a place of habitation continually in the heart. I'm just reading straight out of my journal. This is not an overnight process, ordinarily. So to keep or to treasure or to preserve these words in our heart requires that we continually give our focus, our attention, and our eyes to them. That is, to attend to them in memory and also to actively meditate upon them. What you think upon and meditate upon continually will be treasured in your heart. So keeping them in the midst of your heart, I think, is just the next logical progression. After you attend unto his words, you prick up your ears, and then you incline your ears unto his sayings, right? You start kind of making a movement in this direction. But then it says to, you know, keep, let them not depart from thine eyes. You know, keep those things in front of your eyes. Just do whatever you can. I I have post-it notes. I have three by five cards with scriptures on them. I have on my phone and on my watch, I have this thing continually blinking at me, giving me scripture. It's because if I don't put it in front of my eyes constantly, I'm going to forget it. And I know, I know I will. I'm going to, I'm going to slip away. I'm just like anybody else would. And so I just make a choice every single day. I say, you know what, Lord, I could slip away just like someone else. I'm not above that, but I'm not going to today. 
I'm gonna keep the word of God in front of my eyes today. Okay, so what do we have so far? Number one, you must be a son of God. Number two, attend unto his words. Number three, incline your ear into his sayings. Number four, do not let them, these are the words of God, depart from your eyes. Number five, keep them in the midst of thine heart. And what's number six? The words and the sayings of God must be found. It says they are life to those who find them. You notice that? That's another one I've been missing over the years. I've missed it several times. They are life unto those who find them. They're not just life unto everybody, but they're life unto those who find them. So this carries this idea of searching for the words of God as for hidden treasure, seeking for them as you know gold or rubies or sapphires. And again, the book of Proverbs, if you're familiar with it, is full of this kind of language that describes searching for wisdom, seeking after the wisdom of God as someone who would seek after the treasures of this earth, you know, gold, silver, precious stones. What would you do? What lengths would you go to, to dig into the earth and to find and to mine out these precious gems and stones and metals? That's the word picture that he gives us of finding the words of God. Now, again, I want to remind you, this is not because God's hiding things from us it's he's hiding things for us. He's hiding these things as a beautiful mystery for us to grow in relationship and connection with him. And I don't know how you feel about that. You might feel that's weird or something like, why doesn't God just give it to us? Well, I don't know about you, but I enjoy the journey. I love it. I absolutely relish the journey of growing closer to him. I don't know if I would grow closer to him if he just put it out on the table for me. Honestly, I think I would just take it and walk away. It would be very hard for me to build a relationship with a God that I can't see, touch, taste, hear, smell, and feel. You know, if he just gave me everything I asked for right off the bat. So I don't know. It's just interesting where this whole thing that he has us on, the word of God, the Holy Spirit leading us and guiding us, all this stuff, like it all speaks to relationship with him, intimate relationship with him. I learn something every single day from the Lord. I really do. I learn it from the word. I learn it from, you know, Holy Spirit speaking to me. I look at my circumstances through the word and I see something, but God is always taking me on this journey. And it's just glorious. And and actually, speaking of that, look at this. Let's back up to verse 18. This is back. I know we're jumping around here, but stay with me. We're, on, we're back to Proverbs chapter 4. Listen to this. But the path of the just is like the shining sun that shines ever brighter unto the perfect day. Verse 19, it says, The way of the wicked is like darkness. They do not know what makes them stumble. And then verse 20, My son, give attention to my words. Incline the ear to my sayings. He's telling us how to walk that light. You know, do you want to be the person who... Your path is like the shining sun that shines ever brighter into the perfect day. Or do you want your way to be like the wicked darkness? And they don't know what they're tripping over. They really don't know what they're tripping over. No, I'd rather be the one walking in the light of the word of God and having his presence surround me and having his, the leadership of the Holy Spirit be my guide. Okay. So we've seen all six things, right? The last one being their life to those who find them. So th these things must be searched out. It takes effort, brothers and sisters, it takes effort. And I know that you, not everybody wants to hear this, but it, do, it does take effort. And I think that's an issue that we have is that we think that we're going to stumble upon these things accidentally, but you know what? You know, hardly anything worth doing in life comes without some sort of cost, right? How many of you have ever done anything in athletics, right? I mean, how many, how many of you know that you're not going to go out and get the gold medal if you sit on your couch and play video games all day and you're trying to, you know, unless you're getting the gold medal and being lazy, you know, I'm sorry. I'm not trying to be rude. I promise. I, I'm just trying to encourage you. No, man, you want to get out and you want to accomplish something. There, there's the reality. You got to train. You got to work hard. You got to do stuff. And it's okay in the kingdom of God to have some effort. 
I think Christians are, are, there are some really great Christians out there that exemplify this, but I think there's also a really poor example of Christians who kind of sit back and just say, well, I'm just going to let God do everything. And then they're, in general, they're kind of a lazy group of people. I'm sorry to say that, but uh, there is a segment of Christianity that, that I've, I've bumped into over the years and people just kind of have this, whatever will be, will be, you know, let's just let God do everything. And so they just kind of sit back and don't engage. Brothers and sisters, that's not what the Bible says at all. You know, things take effort. It takes effort and energy to seek out the things of God and get to the deeper things of God. I'm not saying that his grace doesn't, you know, doesn't abound. And I'm not saying that we do everything ourselves. Please don't misunderstand me. I have a whole podcast on this thing called uh, The Balance of Grace and Faith. Uh, the Fundamental Forces of Grace and Faith, I believe, is in season three. We talk about what I talked about earlier. This idea of grace is what God provides and then faith is how we engage with it. So, all right, so I'm going to wrap this up. The summary of Proverbs chapter four, verses 20 and 22, uh, 20 through 22. If you want to, you know, establish in your life the promises of life and health, right, to your flesh. Check this out. Number one, you have to be a child of God through faith in Jesus. Number two, you have to be a kind of person who causes your ears to, you, you cause your ears to prick up at the word of God. This is the kind of person who intentionally listens and gives time and space to receive the word of God into their life regularly. Number three, these types of promises of life and health to your flesh are for the person who inclines their ear. That is, a person who yields to the direction and the command of the word of God, giving his words first place in their life, and then moving in harmony with those words. Number four, this kind of person needs to be constantly and intentionally keeping the word of God in the forefront of their daily thought. They see life through the word, like glasses. Number five, this person needs to continually meditate on and protect the words of God in their heart so that they take root. And finally, number six, this is the kind of person who is continually seeking intelligently and diligently for the newest treasures from the word, from God himself. And I think that just goes along so well with that word that God gave me and what, and what, I, what I've been sharing with you when I believe is God's word over us this year, the, the year of revelation, breakthrough, and following the leadership and the guidance of the Holy Spirit. Man, that revelation part, I, it just he reveals it to us. I mean, that breakthrough, it's like seeing things in your life that were an obstacle that you've been battling for so long and, and having the word of God come into your life and take root in your heart. And you'll start to see these, these obstacles disappear. You'll start to move forward in certain areas. I've seen it in my life. I've heard about it in other people's life. I see it in the scripture. That's enough for me. And then following the leadership and the guidance of the Holy Spirit. You see, none of this is doable on our own. When I see something like this in the word of God, my response is, well, I can try hard, <laughs> you know, but it doesn't like you can't make it work. You cannot obey the word of God without the Holy Spirit's help. And that's my final encouragement to you today is to let the Holy Spirit lead you and guide you in these things. Say, Holy Spirit, how do I do this? Help me do this. You know, that's my prayer over you. You know, Holy Spirit, help my friend, whoever's listening to this podcast, to, to walk in these ways, to prick up their ears to the word of God, to incline their ears to your saying, Holy Spirit, help us to see life through the word of God and to let it take root deeply in our heart. We want life. You know, we want every aspect of life that we can possibly get. We want health to all our flesh. Holy Spirit, you've given us the, the wisdom. You've given us the ability to walk in these things. You've given us the word. Father, we trust your word. And I just pray over my friend right now, whoever's listening, that you would, that you would be encouraged that Holy Spirit is filling you and he's working with you. He's walking with you. That you would be supernaturally empowered 
to walk these things out, supernaturally empowered and guided, led by the Holy Spirit, that you can uh, walk in that perfect path that he has for you. And Holy Spirit, I thank you that you are with us, that you're working with us, that you're removing, you're, you're removing those obstacles, but you're building us more and more into the people of God that, that we've been created to be. And so I just want to encourage you listeners, you know, please email me for prayer. I would love to hear from you and we, we want to be praying for you. We're waiting to hear from you so we can pray for you. We can join our faith with yours. You can email me at justin at kinosglobal.org. And I will, I will get your email and I'll pray for you. I'll pray with you. I want to hear about it. Um, and I just want to wish you a happy new year full of revelation, breakthrough, and following the leadership and the guidance of the Holy Spirit. So thank you so much for spending time with me today. Thank you for listening. I hope this was encouraging. And I believe your life is going to be changed by the word of God. So I'll see you on the next podcast. Thank you for listening to the Unstoppable Podcast. For more resources, including previous episodes, blogs, and free downloadable content, visit us at unstoppablepodcast.org. Find out what we're doing in Kenya with our nonprofit organization, Kainos Global, at kainosglobal.org. Get involved by checking out our open volunteer positions and ways to support us financially. Please like and subscribe to the Unstoppable Podcast on your favorite podcasting app and YouTube so that more people can hear this teaching. We hope today's episode has encouraged, equipped, and empowered you with meaningful insight from the Word of God to receive His promises and live a life without limits.